Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here uh, late on a Saturday night Australian time. Very, very early in the morning over in Milwaukee. We are at the end of day one, or I don't know if you can ever really say you're at the end of a day of free agency. We could get a notification through from Woj uh, any second here. So uh, we are going to see what pans out here. I wasn't going to podcast because I don't think really it was a huge news day for the Bucks today, but I figured, uh, listen, not everyone has the opportunity like I do to sit on my computer all day for work, literally tracking free agency for those waking up on a Saturday morning. Perhaps you want a quick recap of everything that has happened through uh, the first night of free agency. So here we are. I'm going to roll through this uh, solo here today. And before I do, like I said, it's Saturday night over here. So uh, let me just crack this beer. All right. Now I am good to go. So uh, listen, if I had to put one word uh, to describe day one of free agency for the Bucks, I would say underwhelming would be the word. Unfortunately, uh, really not a lot of movement and there was a lot of cash thrown around. So let's start, first of all, with Wesley Matthews. Now, uh, I originally had said that I would have him very high on my priority list if you are Milwaukee bringing this guy back, uh, irrespective of whether the Bogdan Bogdanovich sign and trade went through. I thought Wesley Matthews was a guy that you really, really want to return. So the fact that he declined his $2.6 million option uh, earlier in the week was always not going to be a good sign, particularly with the Lakers sniffing around. There was reports that they were going to try and sign him. Ultimately, they are going to. The reports have said that he has agreed to a deal around $3.6 million to go to the Lakers. Now, I think I certainly saw some reaction because I described this as a as Matthews as a vital part of the Bucks defense and a guy that you really didn't want to let go. And I, I had some pushback from Bucks fans saying, listen, he's not a vital part of the defense. He's 34 years old. He's going to decline. He doesn't bring a lot offensively. And listen, I 100% agree that he doesn't bring a lot offensively. There's no doubt about that. He's basically just a catch-and-shoot guy now in his career. But you can't deny what he did defensively. And he guarded Kawhi Leonard. And he would guard LeBron James at times and guard James Harden. And we spoke about what we thought the benefit that he brought to Chris Middleton by allowing Chris to focus on his offensive game and not so much the defensive side, it, like we've seen from Chris in previous years. So I, I just think that this is a really big blow. And the fact that he only signed for $3.6 million, basically the biannual exception there is what we believe is going to be used to sign Wesley Matthews. It, it, it really sucks because I, I know it's been speculated, but I have heard rumblings that Matt, uh, Wesley Matthews was really unhappy with his role in the playoffs. I, I spoke about this on a podcast earlier in the week. Matthews only played four minutes per game 
in the postseason in the fourth quarter, down from 7.3 in the regular season. And it was really hard to explain. It was just difficult to understand why he wasn't out there. We know that Bud was uh, trying to find some more offensive some more dynamic offensive players, I guess you can call it, some guys that can do a little bit more with the ball in hand, but allowing uh, Jimmy Butler to run wild in a couple of those games while Matthew sat on the bench, I think we all thought was pretty inexcusable. And, and ultimately, uh, you don't know this for sure, but that may have played a significant part in Wesley Matthews leaving the Bucks. Now, I will also say, and I've said this, the Lakers are the defending champions. They've made some really key additions with Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder also going over there. So there is just simply a chance that Matthew sees this as a better opportunity for him to win a title. That, that could be the way that he's looked at that. But that right off the bat was a really bad start uh, for Milwaukee. There's no doubt about that. As far as the Bogdanovich deal goes, uh, it, it, it does look like it's dead. Now, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about potential other sign and trades, but all the reporting that's come out today has suggested that certainly the Hawks might be a team that will look to assign him to an offer sheet. Uh, we'll see. There's been really no movement on Bogdanovich, who apparently is making his way over to the US now. Maybe he's here, uh, but they say that he's going to take some time to work through all that. Uh, of course, as we went through yesterday with the Bucks. Uh, waving Ursandu Yusova, it becomes incredibly, incredibly difficult anyway. Uh, now, onto the one signing that the Bucks did make today. Uh, Pat Connaughton is uh, reportedly returning to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, let me just say this first of all. Uh, I, I think with Bucks Twitter, I generally have a pretty good relationship, but my goodness, I got dragged a little bit for my initial tweet on the Pat Connaughton agreement. So, Reported from Woj, two years, $8.3 million. Uh, of course, uh, we'll go into the specifics here of what this means salary cap-wise in just a second. But I, the tweet I said was that uh, Pat Connaughton gets a nice little bump in salary. He's been every night player under Mike Budenholzer the last two seasons while earning under $2 million. Much deserved. Now, maybe it's bad wording on my part. I don't know. But I, I thought that most people that follow me and most people that listen to the podcast would understand uh, what I've said about Pat Connaughton in the past as a player, the fact that reality is you can't play him in the postseason. We know that financially for the Bucks, it makes very, not very little. It makes zero sense that you would give a guy a raise that you specifically know that you're not going to be able to play in the postseason. When I say much deserved, I, I said much deserved because when you look at it, Pat Connaughton has been earning $1.6 million over the last couple of seasons. So he's earned half the money that John Lua earned from the Bucks last year. Think about that. He earned a third of what DJ Wilson has earned over his two years in Milwaukee. He's only at, he's basically earned the same as what Thanasis has earned and only a fraction more than Larry freaking Sanders. So uh, when I said much deserved, I mean Pat Connor and the guy for what he's done during the regular season and just the amount he has played uh, is above average for what he was paid. That's all. He's probably underpaid by average for what he brings to the team. I don't think anyone expects that you're going to pay a guy $1.6 million and he's going to be playable in the playoffs anyway. So if you're going to be mad at anyone about that, uh, be mad about the rotations in the postseason, which I know a lot of Bucks fans are. Um, but strictly from a salary cap sense, yeah, this, this makes very, very, very little sense to give Connaughton a, a pay rise here. Now, the Bucks do have the early bird rights over Pat, which basically means that you could sign him to a raise 
Uh, if you've been with a team for at least two years and you're a free agent that hasn't gone anywhere else, you can be signed to the early bird rights deal, which means that the Bucks still do have their full mid-level exception and biannual exception to you. So to be clear, just to specify this situation here with Pat Connaughton and Wesley Matthews, for instance, if the Bucks had have signed Wesley Matthews, who was on $2.6 million to a $3.6 million deal or a $4 million deal, they would have had to use that biannual exception because they wouldn't be able to just give him a raise and and still have the full exceptions there because he's only been with the Bucks for one season, which is why uh, the early bird rights come into play with Pat Connaughton. So uh, they give him a raise. Now, this is problematic looking forward because we know that the Bucks are, are likely going to be up against the hard cap. And the other point to note with this deal is that... Uh, he reportedly has a player option in the second year, which again makes little sense. Uh, I quote tweeted a tweet from No Tech Ben who said, the idea of player options is not to give a player that you're overpaying a player option. You give it to a player that's getting underpaid and then he makes a decision. Now, in theory, that's absolutely correct. And, and I, I, again, I, I don't know what the negotiations were. You'd prefer that it wasn't a player option on the second year, strictly because it's very difficult for me to see Pat Connaughton on this team with the way it's going to be constructed, it's very difficult for me to see him outplaying that deal based on what we know, which means that next season, you can probably already sit here and say that Connaughton is going to take that player option. Now, again, with the Bucks salary cap situation and the fact they're hard up against the cap most likely, given if they use the uh, the non-taxpayer mid-level, the full 9.3, that is, then they're going to be hard cap. So we're going to wait and see how all this plays out. Uh, Frank Madden, uh, of course, uh, he, uh, hopefully he's well and truly asleep by now. But he did uh, mention this in a tweet, and I'll read it out just to give a potential doomsday scenario for the Bucks and the salary cap right now. He said, so for all the talk of the Bucks being willing to pay the tax, I can see a scenario where they use the non-tax MLE, $5.7 million, fill out the roster with three to four minimums, plus the two rookies in uh, Wara and Merrill, stay just under the tax, save the biannual exception for next summer, and avoid, and avoid triggering the hard cap. So, <laughs> again, I'm not going to go off the deep end yet. There is a lot to play out here. I don't want to lose my mind just yet about this. But I will say that is a pretty fearful thought for Bucks fans right now that there are some things starting to line up that suggest there is a scenario where the Bucks could avoid the tax. After everything we've seen, um, I don't think that's going to go down well uh, with the fans. And I don't know how it will go down with the honesty. And again, this entire offseason is simply about getting the extension from Giannis. No word on that. Uh, from his camp today. I'm not totally surprised by that. I didn't expect to get a notification at uh, the tick of 6.01 or whatever time it was, 6.01 Eastern time. I didn't expect to get a notification that Giannis was going to sign the Supermax. I do think that if it's going to happen, who knows? It might be in a day. It might be in a week. I'm not sure. He has up until the start of the season to do that, but I just don't necessarily think that it is uh, panic stations because he didn't do that today. Time will tell. We will wait and see. But those types of moves, if the Bucks went down the path of avoiding the tax, um, I just don't think he's sending a good message. So we will wait and see what happens. But overall, the Pat Conan and signing 
uh, doesn't make a lot of sense for the Bucks as we currently sit here today. It doesn't make a lot of sense for the Bucks. Again, as time moves on, we'll wait and see uh, what happens. Now, Robin Lopez, the other Bucks player that declined his option, uh, five million dollars. He declined that option. Now we spoke about this, and it made some sense that Robin Lopez would decline this option if he wanted to choose his destiny. And if he had a, uh, opted into that deal, there's a fair chance the Bucks might try and include him on some sort of trade. So reports suggest that Robin Lopez is going to Washington. Would not have been high on my list of places for him to go. Now, we're waiting to find out whether it is the taxpayer MLE or the non-taxpayer MLE, but reports suggested originally that Robin Lopez was going to be uh, earning uh, near the full MLE, which would suggest that maybe he's getting a deal up up to around $8 million to play with the Wizards, which if that's the case, then it makes perfect sense why he would leave Milwaukee, get a bigger role with the Wizards, and certainly uh, a lot more cash there. So Robin Lopez, not a huge surprise. He's on the way out. I'm kind of fine with that. There wasn't going to be a big role for him in Milwaukee, so uh, that that doesn't concern me as much as the West Matthews or, or Pat Connaughton deals that we've seen today. Some really strange stuff going on with this Drew Holiday trade, and if we've learned anything this week as uh, people that, that watch the Bucs, care about the Bucs, uh, have an interest in this franchise, never count your chickens before they are hatched. Now, Drew Holiday still 100% is going to end up in, uh, looks like he's going to end up in Milwaukee. But that simple trade with just New Orleans straight up now has got really, really complicated. And it looks like it might be a four-team deal. Now, at this point, there is no indications that this is going to change anything for Milwaukee or that they're going to get any other pieces back. But we will wait and see what happens. As I record here right now, uh, there has been no update to the situation for around an hour. So uh, we will just wait and sit back and see what happens overnight or in the early morning in regards to that trade. So including New Orleans, you have also added Denver to that trade, and you have also included the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, the pieces we do know, Stephen Adams is going from Oklahoma City to New Orleans. It seems like one of Eric Bledsoe or George Hill is going to be on the move. Uh, Early reports suggested maybe Bledsoe would end up in Oklahoma City, and maybe this is just a way of New Orleans getting rid of one of those guards because they have got a lot of guards. And at the time, it didn't make sense to me that New Orleans would take on both Hill and Bledsoe, even with all the draft compensation they were getting, just purely from a roster, it didn't make sense. So I'm not surprised that they're flipping those guys. Um, I, I have got a, just the very the faintest, the very faintest, tiniest, minimalist hope that some other uh, nice piece would end up with the Bucks, But... Uh, again, it's not looking 100% likely at this stage, and I've got no indication that that is going to be the case, but we'll wait and see what happened there. As far as other veterans that I had lined up for the Bucks to hopefully try and uh, sign here, a couple in particular that, that, you know, big blow that the Bucks weren't able to get them Done. The first one, Justin Holiday. We know the link to Drew Holiday. It was, uh, it was a strong one. It was one of the first things I actually thought about when the Bucks uh, were reported to have this trade with Drew Holiday done. I thought, get Justin Holiday, forty percent three point shooter. He can come off the bench, be just a, a really solid guard for this team. Well, he's staying in Indiana. A three year, eighteen million dollar deal for Justin Holiday. So again, 
that is a deal that is in the range where the Bucks would have been able to use a, a fair portion of the MLE to sign. So uh, this is a guy that the Bucks could have got for whatever reason they haven't. Did they try and get him? Not sure. Did Holiday just want to stay in Indiana uh, regardless? Who knows? I'm not sure what the situation is there, but uh, that's one name that the Bucks missed out on. Uh, another one, Jermichael Green has gone from the Clippers to the Denver Nuggets on a two-year, $15 million deal, uh, You know, roughly 7.5 each year there. Again, uh, that is a deal that the Bucs might have been able to fit with the MLE. Now, I know that these names aren't particularly guys that you would say, geez, I, I want to spend all that money on, on a reserve that plays in, in those positions, and maybe not. But what we've seen from the market early today is that guys are getting paid. Davis Bertans, $80 million over five seasons. Joe Harris, $75 million over four years. Danilo Gallinari, three years, $61 million to go to the Atlanta Hawks. So for all the talk of Gallinari saying, uh, I, I don't want to just cash in on money here. I'm at the point in my life where I want to contend. I want to be playing in the playoffs. I'm sorry, $20 million is a hell of a lot of money and you can't blame him for taking that. So as we sit here, an extremely quiet day for Milwaukee and free agency so far. And a big part of that is because the, the prices, the, the price tags of these players have just been too much for the Bucks to handle. So as we sit here now, uh, the word I used at the start of this podcast, underwhelming, it has been underwhelming. A really underwhelming start for the Bucks in free agency. We await the details of the Drew Holiday trade. And, and listen, I mean, I'm holding my breath at this point. I mean, please do not let anything go wrong with this deal. As far as other free agents go, there's a bunch of names that are still out there. I know we've spoke about Paul Millsap in the past. Uh, DJ Augustine is another one. Uh, Jeff Teague, I'm not that thrilled about, but the Bucks are going to need a guard. So uh, we sit here, uh, like I said, Saturday evening for me, very early hours on Sunday morning for you guys over in the US. And uh, listen, I will be back tomorrow. So I've already decided. I've committed now. I'm doing a daily podcast during free agency. We've got to continue to get the news out. And hopefully tomorrow uh, we sit here and we're, we're feeling a little more positive and we've had some nice signings and some of the roster is starting to fill out here because I did expect a little bit more today from the Bucks. And uh, nothing ground shaking, but uh, just a little bit more from those guys. So uh, again, uh, for those of you that uh, haven't been able to keep up with all the news, hopefully... This has been a, a nice little update for you guys, a little bit shorter than the usual podcast, but I, I just wanted to cover everything in, in rapid form here uh, so uh, everyone uh, understands where we're at. And by the time you're listening, who knows what has happened? Maybe things have changed. So uh, again, uh, I thank you all, all you guys and girls for listening to the podcast. You can get me anytime at Kane Pittman or at Locked On Bucks. Uh, send us through your thoughts and your feedback of this show, of, of anything that you've seen from the Bucks, and we'll get to it on the podcast because I, I certainly understand right now that tensions are high among the Bucks fan base, and I 100% understand why that would be the case. So we're just going to sit back now, uh, wait and see how all this plays out. Uh, for now, though, for myself, Kane Pittman, I'm going to leave it there. Everyone out there, relax, stay safe, try, peel yourselves away from the phone if possible, and I'll speak to you guys tomorrow.